Wednesday, October 7th, 2020. If you don't know what the Media Boat Podcast is, we are a podcast all about movies, television, video games, and music, not necessarily in that order. With me, as always, is Mike. My name is Matt. I'm Mike. He's Matt. We are Media Boat Podcast, and we have a lot of thoughts for you today. I think we, I kind of did a lot of stuff to talk about. 10 thoughts to talk about? Jeez, I didn't count it, but we have numerous subjects uh, to cover today. So why don't we get right into it? We always start podcasts with movies. And today we actually have a new release coming to theaters, question mark? Yes, um, we're, there's no box office because very low numbers. However, there is a new release. Yes, Again, I say theaters question mark because as our news will uh, elaborate on, more and more theaters are changing their minds about staying open through the rest of the year. So if you have a local joint that's still remaining open, you may or may not be able to see this new movie. Uh, This week, The War with Grandpa. It is the only wide release. This is the movie starring Robert De Niro, where he is said grandpa in the title at war with his grandchildren over the house dominion apparently something something Something. it's old man comedy hysteria ensues so it sounds like i guess it would probably make a decent drive-in movie experience if you've been looking to do that it's that family movie that's good for the kids because you get a laugh but also for the adults because Robert De Niro. <laughs> I guess so. Something for everybody, really. I would uh, assume yeah. Christopher Rupp Walken is also in this, I think I saw. Oh. As another old man. So if those <laughs> two actors are in your wheelhouse and you have grandchildren. I'll see some old men go, go to the movie theater. This is where your grandparents take your grandchildren to the movies <laughs> to allow you to have some time alone. To the drive-in, I emphasize. To the drive-in. Don't go to a movie theater right now. As someone who went to a drive-in, I highly recommend it. It's an all right night. I still haven't gone. I really should. I should go to a drive-in movie. It's a great date night. Uh, Well, uh, I would, but I haven't been in a situation where I've been maskless yet with my significant other. We still haven't gotten there. We're still wearing masks around each other when we hang out. So we'll see. Okay. But are masks on and clothes off? Hey, uh, I'm not answering that. Moving on. Moving on. <laughs> we have movie news. And as I alluded to, our first story in movie news is about it may just affect your local uh, movie theater chain. This was the biggest movie news of the week by far. Also, something we kind of saw coming. Yes, definitely something we saw coming. Uh, one of the biggest. Uh, Brands in movie theater chains is Regal, and their big papa company, Cineworld Group, has confirmed the temporary suspension of its U.S. and U.K. operations starting Thursday, that's tomorrow, following the news that the latest James Bond film, No Time to Die, will be delayed to Easter 2021. In a statement, quote, In response to an increasingly challenging theatrical landscape and sustained key market closures due to the COVID-19 pandemic, 
Cineworld confirms that it will be temporarily suspending operations at all of its 536, that's a lot of theaters, Regal Theaters in the US and its 127 Cineworld and Picture House Theaters in the UK from Thursday, October 8th, 2020. The closure will impact some 45,000 employees who went back to work after the reopening. Regal is the second largest domestic chain in the US, while Cineworld is the UK's biggest cinema operator. Leading up to this decision, Cineworld had contacted Prime Minister Boris Johnson in the UK to highlight the dire straits the exhibition sector is in due to studios delaying tentpole movies. Now, we had kind of a similar story about AMC a while back, where AMC was like, hey, yeah, if we had to close down, we're sitting on a pile of money and we'll be okay. So this tells me that Regal probably is in a similar situation where they're just like, all right, well, if there's no temple releases, there's no reason to stay open, shut it all down. Right, as we recently reported uh, last month that both companies are sitting at about 600, not 600, 600 million, about six months worth of runway should theaters close down. Yeah. Now this will affect smaller theater chains, but seeing as it's hitting the big boys here with Regal, that is significant. 45,000 jobs yeah. gone. Well, not necessarily gone. It doesn't, furloughed. This story does not necessarily say if these are layoffs or furloughs. I'm going to assume they're furloughs, but mm-hmm. if you're a part-time um, you know, per- cashier at the, at, the, um, at the movie theater, chances are you aren't finding a whole lot of similar work right now because those places are all closed too. So yeah, the downside to this story is certainly, yes, a lot of people are going to be out of work. But the upside to the story is that, yeah, they shouldn't have been open in the first place. The theaters uh, will go back to being closed like they should be right now. Right. And this goes hand in hand with no new releases. Tenet came, did okay numbers, but there it wasn't a sufficient supply of new releases to get people back into the theaters. With James Bond going to Easter and Dune going to next year, that just left uh, connected or with Grandpa in October. Yeah. Um, Soul from Disney in November and Wonder Woman 84 in December and Christmas. And those are a lot of ifs because this news suggests to me that this is almost putting the ball back in the studio's hands. Where now it's the studios would be like, well, if there's no theaters open, where do we put our movie kind of thing? It's a back and forth. Right. Also consider that these movies are done. They're gold. They're greenlit. They're ready to go. But why release a product if no one's going to buy it? Yeah. So it remains fascinating. I think, uh, yeah, it just remains this back and forth between the studios and the the theater chains. And who knows how this is going to look because... If we've learned anything from this whole COVID experience is that when you think one thing's going to happen, you're probably wrong. And we can all blame (laughs) Trolls World Tour for that. (laughs) No, but yes. Yes, but streaming video on demand has boomed because people do not want to go to a theater. And the studios themselves are making money with these straight streaming video on demand releases rather than going through the theater. Yeah. It just, it remains to be seen what the effects will be 
going forward of, of all this though. That's like, I think the big burning question. And uh, yeah, we won't know until we're on the other side of this and who even knows what that is. Mm-hmm. All right, let's move on and talk about our second story here, which takes us to our government. You know, the people who forced the theaters to close in the first place. <laughs> So yes, uh, we travel to Washington, D.C., and we take a visit to the U.S. Congress. As dozens of influential filmmakers on Wednesday joined the National Association of Theater Owners, the Directors Guild of America, and the Motion Picture Association in urging Congress to provide assistance to struggling theater owners impacted by the ongoing COVID-19 crisis. Together, they warned that many cinemas may not otherwise survive, with 93% of theaters losing up to 75% income loss in the second quarter of 2020 after movie-going halted in mid-March. While more than half of the theaters are now reopened, Hollywood continues to delay the major fall releases out of concern that many moviegoers aren't yet ready to return. We kind of just addressed this. Uh, NATO, yes, that NATO, is warning that... that, (laughs) Warning that... uh, No, yeah, not that NATO. The National Association of Theater Owners. Yes, not the NATO you think of NATO. Is warning that 69%, nice, of small and mid-sized movie theaters, not so nice, nice. uh, will be forced to file for bankruptcy or close permanently, while 66% of theater jobs will be lost. The letter itself asks that Capitol Hill lawmakers work in a bar work in a bipartisan fashion to redirect unallocated funds from the CARES Act or authorize new assistance programs for those businesses that have suffered the steepest revenue drops as a result of COVID-19. Before I start talking about the quote quote, real quick, I just wanna add, that's probably not going to happen until at earliest late November because one of the big political news stories this week was our president saying that he refuses to have any COVID uh, relief related talks until after the election has taken place. This is yet another, you know, try to like throw a ball at the, you know, at like, or throw a, not a ball. Uh, trying oh, to get the sports metaphor. <laughs> yeah, there's no real metaphor here. Uh, just another thing to screw over the Democrats in a way uh, that Trump is doing here, where he's basically just like, well, no, you, you won't budge. You guys are being a pain about the Supreme Court nomination. So I'm going to stop the thing that you want from happening until but the they did budge. They cut a billion dollars from their budget in good faith, and still the current administration walked away from the table. So anyways, I just want to add that because this story was probably written prior and does not include that information. Yeah, this story was written on like Thursday, and then all this news happened Tuesday with the administration? Monday? So So sorry to tell you, NATO, uh, but no, you're not going to have, this conversation is not going to happen at least until another month. Sorry. Anyway, so the quote is from the organization. Cinemas are an essential industry that represent the best that American talent and creativity have to offer. Our country cannot afford to lose the social, economic, and cultural value that these theaters provide. The movie-going experience is central to American life. Theaters are great unifiers where our nation's most talented storytellers showcase their cinematic accomplishments. Those are very highfalutin words about movies i don't know if i agree with all of them but hey i don't know if i agree with the first three uh five words cinemas are an essential industry 
Yeah, we're, I think what we're noticing is that they're not, but anyway, like I said, we don't know the long-term effects of this yet. Uh, signers of this include such uh, luminaries as Wes Anderson, Judd Apatow, Michael Bay, Barbara Broccoli, James Cameron, John M. Chu, Sofia Coppola, Alfonso Cuaron, Lee Daniels, Ron Howard, Alejandro Gonzalez Inarritu, Barry Jenkins, Patty Jenkins, no relation, Ryan Johnson, Martin Scorsese, Ridley Scott, M. Night Shyamalan, Zack Snyder, Steven Soderbergh, Steven Spielberg, Edgar Wright, David Yates, and many, many more. So yes, a who's who? Many, many more. A lot of awards and a lot of big names being thrown in there. Yeah, this list went on for a while as to who in Hollywood signed it and tried to push this through. But this goes back to the first story of the, the location that they're talking about, the theaters, closing. Yes. Yes, yes. Uh, because if you're not the big regals of the world, you're probably shutting your doors permanently because you cannot afford to exist. So yeah, it's That rough. being said, the rerun or re-release of Hocus Pocus was indeed your number one film this week. <laughs> Welcome like $400,000 though. Yes, welcome to October. That's how you know. <laughs> All right. That's it for movie news. Did you watch any new movie films for 2020? Not streaming. Nope. No, I didn't nothing. watch anything. Nothing, nothing. movie-related, but a lot of TV-related because yeah. TV came TV back. Week. It was a TV week, but we'll get there in a moment. We are going to talk about television next, but we always start television with the sports corner. And as I mentioned last week, hockey's over. Basketball's about to be over. Uh, b- baseball is on its way out, but some sports are still happening. Most notably, of course, Pac-12 football, as college football slowly, slowly ambles back to life like the zombie corpse it is. Pac-12 starts November 7th for their week one return for a seven-week NCAA football season. So the one college conference that was holding out caved in after the Big 12 caved in two weeks ago. When I saw, yeah, when I even saw Mark Sanchez on Twitter tweeting about in support of opening the Pac-12 again, I was just like, okay, this thing's going to happen at this point because people Mm -hmm. are very like basically treating it as if it already has. So, like, all yeah, right. so they set November 7th as their week one return. They will do a seven-week run, which yeah. goes into about mid-December, and just in time to have playoffs set for a Rose Bowl game. Uh, that will be the champion. Whoever wins the Pac-12 will play in the Rose Bowl against another champion. All other um, college, all the other uh, teams in the Pac-12 will play against each other in their own mini bowls. Mini bowls. Yes. It's one I love to have in the morning. But they're doing this so they can get the national championship money and a contention in it. Yes. Even though they're starting late. Yes. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens here. Still not jazzed about college players having to play after expressing how they did not want to, um, at least some of them. Uh, it, it's nonetheless just another chapter in this interesting story of sports in COVID. Wasn't that just two months ago we were talking about that Sports yes. Illustrated article? Yes, yes, it was. Time just goes, just goes. I don't know where it goes, just goes away. 
Next up, as I mentioned, baseball's almost over. Playoffs have begun. The playoff bubbles have been formed. Um, so anything notable that you have noticed happening in baseball world so far? Are we starting to narrow down? Are teams getting eliminated? Yes, they're in the divisional series um, where they will do a best of five games mm-hmm. at neutral sites, even yeah. though some teams that made the playoffs are not playing in the host cities of said bubble sites, uh, including the Los Angeles Dodgers, right. are not who are playing. not playing at Dodger Stadium, even though they are hosting... Dodger Stadium is hosting a series. <laughs> I saw this and I was very confused. I was like, okay, weird, but okay. I guess because there was no guarantee that they would be in the playoffs. So right, they didn't but it's also to set it on a neutral field so no team gets a yeah. home field advantage mm-hmm. since they're not going to be moving between cities. Yes, yes. But this doesn't mean they play five straight games on the same field against the same team and they that will determine who will go on to the ALCS and NLCS the conference championship series yep um, which both will be in Texas with the World Series being in Arlington Texas okay well we'll see we'll see what teams make their way scramble their way to get there Next up, a little bit update, a little bit of an update for your uh, COVID-laden uh, football players. There, uh, we get more and more news coming out about who's got it, who hasn't. Uh, this week, we found out that none other than Cam Newton has tested positive. Nam Kooten. Nam Kooten. Our favorite. <laughs> yes, one of, media boat favorite Nam Kooten, or Cam Newton, as he is called by his friends and family. Uh, is has yes, unfortunately, is tested positive for COVID 19, so he's probably not playing a game for a while. If I had to, uh, get. they actually met, were debating not even playing this past Sunday's game. But seeing as leading up to the game, he was the only one who had tested positive, he was the only one who was sitting out, and we ended up with a two Monday night football games, yes, but. He wasn't the only one that uh, tested positive in the league. No, because the Titans over in Tennessee continue to have new players test positive. So that whole franchise is compromised at this Pretty point. Pretty much. Like, even today, two new players tested positive. Yeah. This was, of course, after news was leaked that even when they're not supposed to be having practices, for some reason, were photographed having practices. What do you know? <laughs> So yeah, as long as there's an open kind of like an open door policy, more or less to these things, it does put more and more players at risk to getting these things. You need to isolate the positive cases as fast as possible. You need to quarantine them and you need to make sure that that other athletes are not near them. Right. And just a reminder, that's not just athletes, it's staff and personnel within the Titans organization. Yes. Also are affected by this. Indeed, all of those people. So, yeah, it's been um, kind of nuts. Yep. Speaking of nuts, the Miami Dolphins. Yeah, so, yes, we're, uh, we, <laughs> we'll get to other sports in a moment. But, yes, while we're still on football, the Miami Dolphins have been given clearance to go ahead and let 65,000 people 
pack into Hard Rock Stadium in Miami for the remainder of the season. No masks required. Only in Miami, as they say. <laughs> this was from Governor uh, Ron DeSantos? Yes. Decree? The infamous governor who will not roll back any restrictions. Uh, yes, and because Miami um, was allowed to do this, so were the other two teams in Florida, the Tampa Bay, yes, Tom Brady's, yes, Buccaneers, and the uh, Jacksonville running back list Jaguars. <laughs> so you know, obviously, we don't need to tell you that this is probably a really bad idea. These are going to become events that are going to spread the disease, uh, needless to say, with that many people not distancing, not wearing masks. The next Miami home game is on the 25th. They had already sold tickets at half capacity for that game. So those tickets are done. They're not going to increase them, or that's what they say right now. Mm. It'll be interesting to see what happens past that into November and December. Yeah. Because... Yeah. You don't want to see numbers go up there. Yeah, no, seems risky for sure. Uh, needless to say. Other sports are happening though as well. So hockey may be over, but the hockey draft has just begun. The New York Rangers have selected Alexis Lafreniere. That's Alexi. Alexi, whatever. <laughs> Focusing on the last name as their first overall pick in the 2020 NHL draft. Any other notable draft picks? Yes, with the number two <laughs> draft pick in the 2020 NHL draft, the Los Angeles Kings yes. Yes. Uh, select Quentin Byfeld. Right. Center, gold medal winner from the Canadian Interleague Games. And only 18. So that's an investment that they're making there. Pretty much, but he's also 6'4", 214. Damn! Well, okay. Well, At 18. That guy's going to be a beast. Well, he's, he's our center. He's our future center right there. So, yeah. Yeah. Very um, yes, uh, it is also of note because he is now the highest drafted African-American in the NHL. Oh, cool. The previous records were at both drafted at the fourth draft pick. The team moves up with the number two draft pick overall. Awesome. Good to hear more diversity in a very, very, very white sport. <laughs> All right. Then, you call it unfairly undiverse. Un- I say it just comes with the territory. I, mm, eh, I don't know. Last but not but least. It's always good to see. Yes. Last but not least, basketball. We should have had a championship crown by now. And yet, the Lakers lead the Heat 3-1 to one in the NBA Finals so far. The Lakers blew a game, or rather the Heat played really well. I'll, I'll give credit where credit is due. The Heat outplayed the Lakers in that game three. Do you think the Lakers pulled this out? Not without the Laker girls. <laughs> oh, Laker girls. Um, or do you think the Heat are able to give them a give them their run for their money? If they were playing the Clippers, yes, they might win. They might blow a three-one lead. 
but not the Lakers. Not the Lakers. Okay, so this is LeBron. Another another championship for LeBron. You're saying it was expected coming into the end yeah. of the season and into the bubble. Yeah, and this is just proving it. Um, good luck to LA for hosting a championship parade. Oh yeah, that's not going to happen. <laughs> I mean, the fans will probably do an impromptu one, but this is no no official one will occur. Um, right. We'll see though. All right. Anything else in sports before I move on to television news? Nope. I think we're good to move on. Um, cool. Yeah, people still got injured. Hamstring still got pulled. It's going to happen. But we're good to move on. All right. And to actual TV news. Yes, with sports behind us, we're able to talk about television news. And first up this week is less about the television and more about the thing that plays it. Um, some news about your set-top boxes and future plans for Apple TV. So Apple TV, I've talked about it on this podcast uh, recently with Ted Lasso. Um, yes, and you're trying to get me to watch it. And I said, hey, I can't watch it. I don't have an Apple TV product. Well, guess what? what? Looks like Apple is experimenting, potentially, with some other ways to watch Apple TV Plus programming. As an Apple TV app has... Apple TV app, which sounds like Apple D app, member of the Black Eyed Peas, <laughs> um, has appeared as an option for some users in the Xbox Insiders beta program. If you're not familiar with the Xbox Insiders beta program, if you are an Xbox One or One X owner, and you were either an early adopter or you've been an Xbox um, subscriber, Xbox Live subscriber for a while, uh, you may get an invite to this program. And basically, it's a program. I'm, I'm a member of it. And it's basically like, hey, when we roll out new stuff, you can opt into getting it before everybody else does. That's what this is. So if I went on my Xbox One right now, I would probably be able to find this app. Right. Anyway, so some of these early beta program users are finding this, which is evidence of it being rolled out to the platform for realsies later. A likely launch could be with the new, of course, Xbox Series X and S consoles on November 10th, but nothing's been confirmed by Microsoft quite yet or Apple. Recently, though, Roku has announced it's working on adding HomeKit and AirPlay 2 support to its streaming devices following their recent edition of the Apple TV app in fall 2019. So if you're a Roku owner, you may already have an Apple TV app and will soon get more ways to enjoy your Apple, uh, Apple uh, programming or streaming from your Apple devices. Apple's also working with Sony to bring the Apple TV app to PlayStation in the future as well. So there you go. More avenues to watch Apple TV Plus, to do AirPlay streaming, which is typically the argument that people have where about like iPhone and other Apple devices are like, well, yeah, I'd love to just send it to my thing, but I can't do that because it's Apple and that thing's not. And so hopefully they'll roll out more and more, more and more options for Apple users to use things on things that aren't made by them. Right. And as you mentioned with Ted Lasso, this is a major thing that prevents people from watching it because... Yes. People don't want to watch it on their phone. They'd rather watch it on their TV. I do want to reiterate, you can watch in a web browser, uh, which gives you lots more options than that way. But yes, if you're somebody who needs to watch your TV on a damn TV, uh, more options are on the way. <laughs> so yes. um, also, real quick of note, this announcement may come on October 13th, as that is when Apple is having its next big event. Yes. Um, 
that's supposed to uh, kind of tie into a couple of other things. They're supposed to iterate on the Apple, uh, 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 what is that thing called? The iHome, which is their smart speaker. Mm -hmm. And they're supposed to potentially announce some AirPod branded over-ear headphones, uh, which are rumored to be called AirPod Studios. Right, in addition to the next iteration of the iPhone. Right, long. But that might not be the same. What I'm saying is maybe don't hold, like, don't expect those to be the same event. Right. I want to say that they're going to isolate the iPhone stuff for it by itself, if I had to guess, and have all this media-related stuff in one, in one showing. As we've seen in the past. Yeah, as they've done. If history is anything to look <laughs> at. <laughs> yes. But yeah, uh, this is just good news overall for people who want to engage in Apple content. So good news. All right. Speaking of content you can engage in on the television, this past Saturday saw the return of some television content that we talked about last week, Saturday Night Live. Now, this is kind of a follow-up story in a way to our story last week about its premiere and how it was going to have a live audience. Well, it wasn't exactly a live audience. And well, let, we'll, explain, we'll explain in a second what that means. New York state guidelines still prevent ticketed events. So in order to get away with it, SNL couldn't legally have a live audience by paying its audience as if they were employees of the show. So they did so. The audiences still can't exceed 25% of the show's usual capacity and can be no more than 100 people, but they passed that additional payment requirement by sending audience members home with a $150 check from Universal Television. <laughs> Which is hilarious to me. Uh, so yeah, so if you were, if you saw some of those people, they are now $150 richer after last week's show. Now, as we're going into the next week's show, though, there are a lot of question marks about its production because not only because of the weirdness about the audience, but also about their next host. Uh, so apparently, host Bill Burr and Issa Ray. So Bill Burr will be this week, and Issa Rae with Justin Bieber will be next week. Yes, are probably fine, but country artist Morgan Wallen is Waylon. no longer this week's host. Morgan Whalen. It's got the two L's. How is that Whalen? It's Whalen. What? You pronounced his own name wrong. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Anyways. So he was originally scheduled, but was pulled at the last moment because the show informed him that he would no longer be able to play because of COVID-19 protocols at SNL. The reason why they're showing, shoving him out the door is because of TikTok videos that showed him socializing in Alabama without a mask at a crowded house party and bar. So yeah, turns out that stuff you post on social media has impact on your career. What do you know? Um, so yes. Man, if only we could ban TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> Not the solution. Not the solution to this. So yeah, it looked like they, they kind of uh, pulled an audible for this week. But yes, we will continue to uh, be like case by case, I guess, on this SNL situation as we go on because what a weird, weird season this is going to be. Yeah, so far no one is currently scheduled. But then again, no promos have been revealed uh, for this upcoming week. Uh, but we'll probably they'll probably change within the next yeah. couple of days as they pull an audible. Yes. While we're on the subject, I just want to do another update about um, our story last week about SNL. 
I have checked out the Peacock listings for all 45, now 46 seasons of SNL. Yes, it's available. And yes, surprise, for free. Ooh. With ads. So anybody, even if you're not paying for the, even the $5 tier, anybody who has like a signed up account just gives them their email address, can watch any episode of SNL for free. Want to make a couple of caveats though. They are, for the most part, cut uh, down without musical performances. You will not see the musical performances on what appears to be 90% of the episodes available. I would assume that's due to music rights. Music rights. They didn't even bother. They were like, nope, not even going to try. So you'll still see you'll still see in the opening like the announcement of who there would who they would have been and you'll see them referenced but you will not see the actual performance except for from what i could tell a handful of uh first five season the 70s seasons some of those musical guests are intact maybe because that was a different deal who knows or because it predates current current deals or something anyway uh but yeah so these are going to be the chopped down versions that you probably saw previously on on the the um the CISO releases or the netflix release back originally when netflix had all the seasons on it uh so yeah the show's lengths range from like 28 minutes as short as 28 minutes to as long as 45 because of that so you're still going to get for the most part the original episodes of course some of the stuff has been cut because who knows why, like what they, they've gone back and cut a lot of things over the years for all sorts of reasons. So you're not gonna get them as they originally aired because of course you're not going to. But yes, all that being said, it is pretty cool to just have an encyclopedia ready at any time to be like, oh, who hosted on this specific date in history? So it's, it's neat that it's available and it's available for free if you can deal with 30 to 45 second ad breaks. That's not as bad, but if you do want to see those original music performances with all the original sketches, go track down a DVD box set of <laughs> SNL. Even then, though, you're not guaranteed to get that stuff. Who right. So. Again, our PSA that explains why DVDs are way better than streaming. <laughs> yes. But while we're still on the subject of SNL, this, let's pivot into stuff we watched. Because according to this uh, document I'm reading right here, you watched, you bore through the uh, season premiere. On Did you not bore through the season premiere? No. While it was airing, I was watching episodes from April 1990. Okay, you know it is October 2020. <laughs> yes, your point. <laughs> no, because I, you know how I feel about the current the current lineup and the current writers and just not my depend not my bag so i did not tune in to the season premiere well i saw that it was trending and it reminded me oh yeah snl is on that's a thing i should probably watch uh so i did i watched it on peacock without ads and it was a lot faster than watching it live yeah um and for the most part it works it still works. Um, it's still SNL. Uh, jokes are still hit and miss. Um, <laughs> first one was pretty good. Chris Rock's monologue was meh at best. Seemed yeah. like he didn't really have time to prepare and just kind of started rattling off stuff in a typical stand-up fashion. Yeah. 
and also they really tried to stray away from the big news that was Trump has COVID over the past week. My guess on that is, yeah, I had read a, cer- a similar take where uh, they were surprised by that in a way. But my my take on that is that they probably just didn't have a, enough time to prepare for it. Because unlike the rest of the episodes in this, ser- this season, the season premiere probably has the most like, okay, we really need to make this work kind of going on kind mm-hmm. of energy to it. Especially this one because of how weird it was. Now you had probably these people meeting in person for the first time since they adjourned in March. Um, So yeah, it was probably a different vibe. So they probably wanted really badly to do the thing where they had all of their players do their political stuff instead of just having a a Trump sketch. Yes. So that's the take I saw is that that seems to be why they decided to do that. Maybe next, maybe this yeah, week. Their cold open was the debate because that yes. was the big thing that happened politically. Yeah, I imagine that Saturday uh, this week is when you'll see them do that. So. Probably, I could see that. But then again, I don't see them leaning heavily on Alec Baldwin returning every week. No, I can't imagine that they do. But I could be wrong. <laughs> Right, but that being said, uh, with Jim Carrey as Joe Biden, um, it was fine. I enjoyed it. Um, The chat, Dr. Chat here, um, really enjoyed it. Thought it was hilarious. Okay. And spot on, but it's, you know, give and take. So overall, SNL, back to its normal way in its studio. We'll see how it goes and how long it lasts with an audience. Yeah. But yeah, um, going from their at home at the end of last season yeah. to this, I just think they're all happy to be back in the studio. <laughs> yeah, probably. It was a different vibe. From what I understood, though, that the at home shows were surprisingly good. So I don't know. Maybe it's maybe it's not great that we're putting them back into the studio. <laughs> I don't know. But anyway, uh, what else did you watch? You have a couple more things on here. Uh, yes, as I noted last week, South Park returned with its yes. pandemic special. Right. Um, following that, the news kind of uh, appraised it well, as it had one of the highest season premieres for South Park. A lot of people viewed in to, to watch it, and they do not miss a beat. That thing is solid. South Park has always been good at keeping up with current events, with current topics, and getting into the meat of why people do things and doing a self look and forth wall breaking constantly and the pandemic has not changed that if anything they're more on their game at least in terms of writing and putting together an episode because this was hilarious for a first episode a lot of callbacks to the last seasons and i think because they came out so strong out of the gate you will see people point to it saying we should be watching this this season to see where it goes I mean, yeah, I mean, half of why they did something like this was to, like, be an event, be like a tele, feel more like a television event kind of thing, because we don't have a whole lot of those right now, because basically a lot of, if you're not an animated show, you're kind of on hiatus, and you probably will be for a little bit, unless you're an ex- really expensive show that was able to pull together a production right now. But Right, and unless you're South Park, which could put together an episode right. in a week's time... Yeah, it's not as easy for everybody else. Uh, We'll get to that when we talk about cancellations as a couple of cancel shows this week. 
kind of fell into that trap of, well, we didn't have a season at the ready, so the network cut us, cut our, cut us off, even though we were technically already renewed. Yep. We'll yeah. get to that in cancellations. Risky, risky time for television. And then uh, what else? What else you got? Uh, I have the boys down here, but I'm going to say that for next week. Okay. Because the season finale will be this Friday. Yeah. So next week I'll have my full thoughts on the boys season two. Yeah. Which, as we mentioned, already renewed for a season three and renewed for a spinoff show for the boys. Right. right. And uh, while we're on the subject of season finales, I just want to mention, uh, so Ted Lasso season finale did, uh, was released last week. I am not caught up quite yet. So I'll probably talk about that next week as well. All right. Uh, but for now, you also watched The Weakest Link. Goodbye. <laughs> what, what year is this? Uh, this is low production, probably at its finest. Oh, no. Because there is no audience in this thing. Okay. You can tell there's no audience because all the lights are in the back. And so first just, of all, this is... A reboot of The Weakest yes. Link? this is a reboot of The Weakest Link. Where is this? With Jane Lynch as the host. Yeah, where is this airing? On NBC. Okay. Because I watched it on Peacock. Not uh, live. I see. So is this being produced now? Yes, these are new episodes being produced now. Um, their setup is exactly the same. Uh, you start with eight contestants all spread out equal distance six feet apart <laughs> and then one by one you ask them questions and they get eliminated and walk off there's the weakest link yep um, bye bye yeah uh, there's the weakest link yeah. i'm not sure if it's good because of the lack of britishness in it uh, and very being very blunt like the original was or that jane lynch sprinkles in the comedy in between in yeah. the various ways she does to describe the weakest link. <laughs> but the questions, it's, it's the question and answer game, but yeah. with a twist. It's the same thing that we've always seen with the weakest link. I think because this is something that they can produce eight people at a time with no studio audience, yeah. that we will see this going on for quite a while. It's easy and it's cheap and it's a game show. And that's what the networks are looking for right now because of the reasons I just mentioned. It's like, find some cheap stuff to plug in holes where our bigger budget shows would have gone if they had been finished. Yeah, I think it also allows Jay Lynch to be the mean comedian that we know she can be. Right, right, right. You know, which she has a history of with her character in Glee and stuff. Right, The, the comedic insults, which are hilarious but not like super directly at them. Either. Right, right. Yeah. Family-filled hilarity. Cool. Insults. Well, yeah. I remember watching some Weakest Link back 20 years ago. Now. Yeah, roughly. Really. Um, so yeah, it's cool that it's back. I think it's 15 years because it came after Yeah, you're probably uh, right. Millionaire because Millionaire was first and then... It was in the wake of back. Millionaire, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Anything else you want to talk about television before I... Uh, Talk about a couple brief ones. Mm, yes, real briefly um, on Disney Plus, there is a National Geographic new series do, about do, the do, animal do, kingdom. Do, 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 do. Okay, now you can go. 
about uh, Disney's Animal Kingdom and the people behind them and how they work with the animals. So if you're a nature lover and are subscribed to Disney Plus, bam, new show just for you right there. Neat. Uh, Have you had a friend do Animal Kingdom? Yes. uh, Doctor has a friend from college who we stayed with who works at Animal Kingdom. I remember you mentioning this now. Yes. Yes, it's it's a cool park. Um, I've only been once and I barely remember it because I was like, Five. Uh, no, it was like twenty years I couldn't ago. Have been five. I couldn't have been five because it wasn't open yet. It had to be the second time I went to uh, Disney World. So, but that itself was probably fifteen years ago. Fifteen years ago was two thousand five. Yeah, just about. So. So yeah, you were fifteen then. Yeah, probably. So yeah, anyway. aside yeah aside from like the two years I went when I went two years ago, the previous time I went was back in two thousand. It's been a long time for me. But anyway, the Animal Kingdom is a park and not a television show. So But it's part of National Geographic, so yes. it counts. Uh, but I watched a couple of television shows. So I went on a little bit of a Netflix adventure last night with friend of the show Christy. We're looking for something new to watch. We watched two pilots. Uh, so one of which she had already watched and wanted to see what my take on it was. The other, we both went on fresh. So you just mentioned Disney Plus. Well, here's a show that tonally would fit right at home in the Disney Plus uh, lineup, uh, which is Julie and the Phantoms. So this has actually been on Netflix for about a month and a half now, but it's still relatively new. And basically the premise of this, it's a kid's show uh, where a teenage, a teenager, a high schooler um, in the music program her mom has died. Uh, she kind of shared the like her music like affinity with her mother. And so now she's kind of tentative about music. She doesn't really want to play it anymore. And she's at risk of being kicked out of the music club uh, at school if she doesn't actually play her instrument. So cue her finding a CD in the loft of her home that was once owned by her mother that, when played, summons the ghosts of a 1990s boy band. You're following me so far? <laughs> <laughs> or did that just take a, take a huge dive off of the diving board? The uh, ghost of a 1990s boy band, meaning the boy band died. The boy band died, get this, after they performed and ate some bad Los Angeles street hot dogs. I'm kidding. Um, and Thanks. yes, so they passed away in 1995, 25 years later, Reemerge in 2020 as uh, ghosts. And now, do they have 1995 clothes? Yes. Or are they dressed? Yes. They do? They, they are dressed as if they would be in 1995. Correct. Because they had just finished a show. Um, and yeah, um, so then it becomes a story about she can see these ghosts, uh, the ghost boys, nobody else can. She befriends the ghosts. You learn more more about the ghost rules as it goes on, like whether they can interact with things in real life, how they can play music. Can their music be heard by real people? Well, spoiler alert, it can. And over time, she ends up being in a band of sorts where she summons the ghosts by playing music and they are her backing band and only when they're playing music can be seen by other people. So they just magically appear behind her when she's playing music? Yes. So, And no one's done the wiser of, yeah. oh my God, these people just appeared out of nowhere. 
He tells them they're holograms. So it's Jim. Uh, no, because she is not a hologram. Um, anyway, long story short, um, it seems cute. It seems like a very, but the level that it's playing at is very Disney Channel. So think about the tone of stuff like, you know, your Zack and, Zach and Cody sweet life, your, your Wizards of Waverly Place, your Disney Channel original movies per se. It's that kind of level of writing except the production value and like quality seems pretty high, maybe a little higher than you usually get over at Disney Channel. That being said, it's pretty middle of the road as th- these things go to me. Um, however, a friend of the show, Christy, has fallen in love with this thing. There's a bunch of original songs that were written for it uh, that the band and the girl uh, sing. And she says they're really, really catchy as the show goes on. I stopped at the pilot. She's going to finish it. So... I'll hear her thoughts, I'm sure, after she finishes the whole season. But it seems like inoffensive fun for kids if you need a, a Netflix show to put on for the family. So I might put on the pilot to see how it compares yeah. to The Babysitter's Club. Yes, check out the pilot, because I think The Babysitter's Club, feel, from what you've told me and what I've read about that, that seems like it's playing on a little bit of a higher level. Right. Is a little... I'll check the pilot out, because yeah. if this plays lower than that, then uh, it's not for me. That's the thing is I, I think I'll be interested to hear your take because you also just finished those Disney plus shows like the uh, pres- president one. Right. Friend. The diary of the future president and the, the, um, the original Disney plus original movie secret society of yeah. second born Royals. <laughs> so I'd be interested to see how this, how you think this stacks up to those quality wise. Probably uh, wedge somewhere in the middle. I'm going to say. Probably. Then uh, the other thing I watched uh, so was the pilot for Emily in Paris, another Netflix original that is the opposite end of the spectrum. It is for adults, and it was originally uh, produced, I guess, for MTV and did not make the cut for the network, but it still has MTV Studios branding on it. Uh, but hmm. yeah, this one is about a marketing, uh, like a young woman, in her, presumably in her 20s somewhere, uh, who is a marketing big shot who gets a gig where she gets to move to Paris uh, to pitch a product or like to pitch a, a, a marketing strategy for a product. And oh boy, is it boring. I watched like <laughs> 20 minutes of this thing and bailed on it. I just did not think it was very impressive. Um, just the writing just wasn't there. The jokes fell flat. Um, it seems cute and quirky. If people are looking for some sort of cute and quirky romantic series about a fish out of water kind of situation, it might be okay for if you're looking for that kind of thing. But for me, I was expecting it to be funnier, and the cute premise is not enough to keep you interested, I think, in the characters. So, eh, seems throwaway, but I watched it. Okay. That's it. That's That was the new stuff that I watched. All right. Anything else? I think that's it. So we can right. safely still move. watching Jeopardy. Oh, um, I'm behind on Jeopardy's. It's fine. It's still Jeopardy. Still Jeopardy. Oh, that's what happened. Alf Trebek announced one of the picks. Yes. I don't know if you saw that, but yeah, one of the uh, in 2020 NHL picks. Yes. Alf Trebek got and was able to announce one of those. <laughs> uh, other than that, um, I believe Amazing Race returns on the. 14th, 13th or 14th, so it should be next week. So I will report on that. I'm sure you will. I like 
watching those shows and we'll see how they do during the pandemic. <laughs> yes. Are they able to get around filming? Yeah. All right. Well, with that, let's cruise on into cancellations and renewals. Big week this week for cutting off your show too early. If you ask All right. Me. What am I no longer watching? Well, first, here's a few uh, renewals. NBC is bringing back The Wall, uh, hopefully without Chris Hardwick, but who knows? Um, Showtime is bringing back Billions for a sixth season. Netflix is calling it quits with F is for Family. Its fifth season will be its last. Netflix, however, is renewing Cobra Kai for a fourth season, that being the show they picked up from YouTube. Right, that's ahead of its third season uh, coming up in January. But they've pulled the plug on two of their uh, two of uh, two of their shows here: Teenage Bounty Hunters, canceled after just one season, and the one that really hurt me, Glow, canceled after its last third season, was renewed originally for a fourth season. Production had started, was ended because of COVID restrictions, and now will no longer be resumed. Yeah, because they couldn't overcome the COVID restrictions and get proper approval. They will no longer be moving ahead with the fourth season and yeah. canceled. This sucks because if you rewind the tape, go back to the episode where I talked about season three of Glow, you'll recall that they had a perfect setup for how to keep the show going at the end of that season. Yeah. And man, I was dying to know how they were going to do it. And now we'll never know. Maybe it's one of the things where the little fans will revive it. Just give it yeah. a year. Maybe. We'll see, but man. Don't yeah. tear down the sets. More painful. And then lastly, uh, the CW has renewed The Outpost for a fourth season. Whatever the hell that is. Yep. <laughs> All right, now we have to talk about deaths. Rough one this week. First up, Murray Shishkal. Shishkal? Age 93. Uh, pl- players? What? Playwright. Oh, that's like, what does players mean? A playwright, uh, love Jimmy Shine among his works, and a screenwriter of Tootsie, which, of course, uh, if you go to film school, chances are you watch Tootsie and study its script because that was known for a very long time as a very good, well-written script. We also have Bob Gibson, age 84, a Hall of Fame baseball player for the St. Louis Cardinals and a World Series champion back in 1964 and 1967. Next up, Johnny Nash, age 80, singer-songwriter, who wrote and sang I Can See Clearly Now, of course, that staple, uh, Hold Me Tight and Tears on My Pillow, so definitely will be remembered. Yes, I Can See Clearly Now has been covered and done by various music groups, but he was the original. Yep. And then lastly, the one that hit yesterday, Eddie Van Halen, legendary guitarist, age 50, 65, sorry, Hall of Fame musician with Van Halen and Grammy winner back in 1992. But yes, extremely influential uh, guitarist to the point where he even has a patent for his guitar. <laughs> Fun fact. Yes, that Eddie Van Halen Yes. Um, also got a lot of, oh, I thought he already died. No, he was diagnosed with cancer a few years back. Um, I remember around 2016, there were some complications that arose, uh, but he recovered from those. Well, didn't this time um, ultimately succumb to the cancer. So yes, very sad. Mm -hmm. Will be remembered though, for sure. 
very fortunate to have seen him in concert a couple of years ago. There you go. At I think it was at the um, Irvine Meadows before they closed that down. Sounds about right. One of its last concerts there. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about music. So I'll flip this over to you. All right. And we always start music with the billboard. And we start the billboard with the Hot 100. What? It's so hot. You got to get yourself a franchise. Oh, I do. Travis Scott did with McDonald's. Travis (laughs) Scott meal. Do you see there's a J Balvin meal now? Yes, I thought that was going to be in the story. <laughs> no, it wasn't that slow. It was a slow week, but it wasn't that slow. Okay, but yeah, so yeah, there'll be a J Balvin McDonald's there's a J Balvin meal. It's a, it's a McFlurry. And a McFlurry. Yes, and fries because, of course, McDonald's fries. I'm just like, oh, my stomach. It's just like, I don't want to eat a Big Mac and then I eat a McFlurry. It's like, ugh. <laughs> anyway. Anyways. Um, Franchise. Yeah. Franchise by Travis Scott featuring Young Thug and M.I.A. Yeah, remember M.I.A.? Yeah. Of Out the there flying plane. paper planes. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is your number one song of the week. Which means everything else just moved down one slot. Exactly. Uh, number two is Dynamite by BTS. Number three is WAP, A Woman is President by Cardi B <laughs> featuring Megan the Stallion. No, that's not what... Never mind. Coming off of Megan Thee Stallion's performance on SNL. Uh, Laugh Now, Cry Later by Drake featuring Lil Durk. And at number five, Mood by 24K Golden featuring Ian Dior. So yeah, everything basically stayed where it was except the Justin Bieber song from last week is gone. Right. Moving into... Billboard 200, your albums chart. At number one, Tickets to My Downfall by Machine Gun Kelly. At number two, Super One, colon, the first album by Super M. Yeah. I don't know what that is. Yeah, this was, the, this was a big shakeup week, and I'm like, what the hell is any of this? Because at, at number three is Nectar by... Joji, at number four, Aim for the Stars, or Shoot for the Stars, Aim for the Moon by Pop Smoke, and at number five, Ohms by Deftones, which I think Pop Smoke is the only returning album in the top five. (laughs) So yeah, the only returning album in the top five this week is Shoot for the Stars, Aim for the Moon, the Pop Smoke record. The others are all debuting in the top five this week, so quite a week for- People are hungry for new music. Turns out. And so, yeah, that means that uh, Taylor Swift uh, slides down uh, out of the top five again. But uh, she'll be back. It's okay. She got her record. <laughs> she'll be back. If uh, you... oh, go ahead. I was just going to say real briefly, by the way, Grammy voting is happening right now. Uh, so if you want to see a lot of people's theories about what will and won't be nominated, uh, there's plenty of articles right now for you. I had to dodge them like a minefield trying to look through news this week because... 90% of the variety stories were about, will this get nominated for a Grammy? And I'm like, just wait till the nominations come out. <laughs> Everyone trying to pay their publicist to get an article in. Exactly, yes. Time. Yep. Well, if you didn't like any of those albums or read up on any Grammy-nominated albums, <laughs> we have new releases. All right, what am I listening to this week? I don't know what you're listening to. 
But here are the new releases. Here they are. We have Skeletons by Brothers Osborne. I will be listening to this album. I was going to say, I saw this and I was like, I had to think. I was like, that sounds like a thing that Mike listened to. So I included it, even though I don't know who the Brothers Osborne are. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, I think that that's something. Yes, they sing the It's Not My Fault song. Oh, or it ain't my fault. Right, okay. So those guys all right. Yeah. Uh, we also have E3 AF by Dizzy Rascal. As Long As You Are by Future Islands. Silver Ladders by Mary Lattimore. Mm-hmm. And Atlas Vending by Metz. Um, fun fact about Mary Lat- Lattimore, she was the opening act in the last show I saw um, before COVID. Uh, she's a harpist. Um, and she opened for the Francis Quinlan show. Um, friend of the show, Christy, and I saw literally March 15th, I think. Right, <laughs> after very, I saw you. Yeah, the very cutoff of the last time anybody was able to do anything. <laughs> yeah, that'd be the Sunday before everything got canceled. Yeah, basically. So yeah, we just made it, just made it in there. Mm-hmm. And you got out of there alive. Anyway. Anyways, moving into music news, we have a follow-up. We have with not an ongoing story. It's not only a follow-up, it's a conclusion. <laughs> we finally get conclusions. We've been covering this story for over a year. <laughs> All right, go for it. All right. So this is for those of you who've been following along with us, the Led Zeppelin V Taurus. <laughs> Uh, lawsuit in which Led Zeppelin's um, Stairway to Heaven was being sued over a copyright battle for infringing on the song Taurus. Um, So, this went all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court, where (laughs) it did not go to the U.S. Supreme Court, as they declined to take up the long-running copyright battle. It got to them, and they were like, we're not doing this. Yep, leaving it in place a ruling that rejected infringements alleged allegations over the 1971 song. The justices denied a petition aimed at reviving the case, ending six years of litigation over claims that the song's writers, Jimmy Page and Robert Plant, plagiarized the song's iconic intro from the 1968 song Taurus by the group Spirit. The decision follows a March victory for the group in which the Ninth Circuit of Court of Appeals upheld a jury verdict finding the song did not infringe on Taurus. Yeah. So we've been covering this since it was first announced. (laughs) And it's finally laid to rest, hopefully. Maybe done for good. Yeah, I mean, unless they try to file another lawsuit and think that they have a chance, this is probably done. I mean, maybe depends on who else goes on the Supreme Court. <laughs> they want to listen to it. No, no, no. If it's denied once, it's not going to stay there. It has to start all the way over again, I think, at this point. Because right, right now, it has to go back to the court circuit of appeals to get overturned. All the way. And get back up. Yeah. So, yeah, just thought that it would be fun to kind of have a period at the end of this sentence on this one. An em- emphatic period right there. Yes. Supreme Court deems this not worthy to continue. Yeah. 
Continue collecting your royalties, Led Zeppelin. <laughs> yeah. And in other music news, our second story, Spotify has announced the debut of its weekly music charts, which includes an album chart, a new move for the streaming giant. According to the announcement, the new chart includes the weekly top 50 which will celebrate the biggest albums and tracks in the world each week. Friday through Thursday, consisting of a U.S. weekly chart album, a global weekly chart album, U.S. weekly song chart, and global weekly song chart, which will be published every Monday. The U.S. top 10 debuts and global top 10 debut lists capture the biggest new releases on Spotify Friday through Sunday. These lists incorporate data from the first 72 hours of a song or album is live, giving an early take on new music. All of Spotify's charts will will live exclusively on Spotify, Spotify charts Twitter, and new charts will be added in the coming months. Yeah. Yeah, normally I just look under new releases as to what's new, but yeah. it's a conglomerate of both singles and albums. Well, there's some, some way to divide this. Yeah. So this is, yeah, this is interesting because of kind of two reasons. One, because, yeah, it's a neat way to curate music and have music discovery happen. Uh, but two, more interestingly, to me at least, it's the first time in a long time we've had a new major competitor in the charts space. Like we've always seen billboards music charts as the definitive the definitive charts but having spotify do their own is kind of interesting because you have a comparison point to make now you can be like oh well this thing is the top of the billboard charts mostly because of streaming you can then back that up by looking at the spotify charts because they are just streaming and looking at like oh spotify by itself is saying that this thing has been listened to like this obscene amount of times so you can see like at any point, like, and compare and contrast the two. Um, it's just another example of Spotify just thinking that they're the be-end-all of music right now. It's like, why, and how else to prove it? What a better way to prove it than just being like, well, look at how many people listened to this album this week, um, globally and, and domestically. That's another thing, interesting thing about this, is that there are global charts on this, too. So you can see what you know, is getting international play that isn't getting U.S. play and vice versa. Yeah, it's really interesting. I mean, this is what happened when Apple made its own charts when, with iTunes. And people were looking, oh, this is what people are buying and downloading. Yep. Yep. They'll still exist, too. Um, but, yeah, this will be an interesting kind of player in that space. Yep. Uh, speaking of players in that space, did you listen to anything? No, I did not play anything. Okay. I also did not listen to anything new, but like I said, I did. I will intend on listening to that Brothers Osborne album, and I'll have my thoughts on that next week. Next week. But speaking about playing, it's time to talk about video games. Oh, I've been playing a lot of video games. Same. Well, more like the same video game, but... Same. <laughs> before we get to that... Well, we'll get there. We'll get there. But first, we have new releases. Okay. All right. Uh, we have I Am Dead coming to the Switch and PC, The Survivalist, 
on the PlayStation, Xbox, Switch, and PC. Big 10, colon, Power Trip. Ben PlayStation, 10. Xbox, Switch, and PC. Ben 10, not Big 10. Yeah. Big Hero 6. Yeah. <laughs> no. Ben, no. Ben, ben Hero 1-0. <laughs> no. All right. Yeah. Ben 10, colon, ben Power 10. Trip. Uh, we also have Ride 4 for the PlayStation, Xbox, and PC. G.I. Joe, colon, Operation Blackout for the PlayStation, Xbox, Switch, and PC. Remothered, colon, Broken Porcelain for the PlayStation, Xbox, Switch, and PC. I have no idea what that is, but that name is so weird. Sounds like a horror game. Yeah, what does it mean to be remothered? Um, I have a mother once more, your second child. Yeah, I don't understand. Uh, we also have Torchlight 3 for the PlayStation, Xbox, Switch, and PC. And lastly, your sports game and probably top of the charts very, very soon, FIFA 21 for the PlayStation, Xbox, Switch, and PC. Is your football on? Yep. All of the foots of balls on. Moving in to video game news. Yes. We have a remaster of Criterion's hit Need for Speed colon Hot's Pursuit, mm-hmm. which is on its way coming soon, where you'll be able to play Need for Speed Hot Pursuit remastered on the PC, PlayStation 4, and Xbox One on November 6th, and on Nintendo Switch on November 13th. The original Cops vs. Racers driving game came out in 2010. So the most obvious thing that you'll notice is the visual upgrade that takes advantage of current day hardware. And the game will support cross-platform multiplayer, meaning you can play with your friends no matter what system they're on. Need for Speed, Hot Pursuit Remastered comes with all of the DLC released for the original game, as well as an updated photo mode and brand new achievements. And Autolog, the social network within the first game that gets you up to date with your friend's accomplishments, is back, giving you another chance to compete for bragging rights on the streets of the game's fictional Ryan Seacrest's county. <laughs> I'm going to say all that Kim Kardashian money has made him afford an entire county. That's pretty <laughs> crazy for Ryan Seacrest. Um, but yeah, I missed this the first time it was out. I remember around the time that it came out on 360 and PS3, I remember people saying it was a really good game. I mean, it was the first uh, Need for Speed game that Criter- Criterion worked on after they had been purchased by EA after the uh, burnout. Mm-hmm. Games. So I had heard it was really good. I heard the multiplayer, which is like a cops versus street racers mode, was really rad. And so if they were going to remaster any of these games, this would be the one to do. So I'm glad they did it. Right. I'm, I caught on to Need for Speed, I think, because of this game. Yeah. But didn't play it. Instead, played the one after it, uh, Undercover. Oh, yeah, yeah. And that's what got me into playing Need for Speed because people were so hot on Hot Pursuit that I figured, oh, I'll just wait for the next one then. But yeah, this seems neat. Um, this would be a no-brainer for something like Game Pass or EA Play's Surface. Uh, right. So. 
I'm hoping that it comes on to that so I can give it a quick try because this is not something I'd want to spend $60 on necessarily, but it is something I would love to try and see what they've done and gussied up. Right, and be able to play it on the PC. Yeah. Potentially, yeah. yeah. Speaking of things being gussied up and DLC'd. Well, yeah. A new challenger arrives. Yes, and it uh, confused and bewildered the internet. <laughs> As Super Smash Brothers Ultimate Director Masahiro Sakurai revealed that Minecraft's Steve <laughs> yes, will Minecraft be joining Steve. the game as the next DLC fighter. Steve from Minecraft. Yes. Minecraft Steve. Uh, Smash Bros. Ultimate DLC fighter uh, was revealed in a short presentation back on October 1st. Mm-hmm. And it's not just Steve joining the action, though. Because it appears Alex, Zombie, and Enderman will all be swapping in from the Minecraft universe. Finally, Sakurai reminded everyone that he alone doesn't pick these characters, <laughs> often Nintendo that approaches him with an idea. Earlier this year, when Fighter Pass 2 was announced, Sakurai mentioned that all six fighters for the pass had already been chosen by Nintendo. So this is not just spur of the moment, oh, we're just going to add Steve. No, this is something that's been in the process in the works for a while now. Yeah, there was a rumor, in fact, about a year and a half ago uh, that had suggested this was going to happen. It was actually right before they had revealed that Banjo and Kazooie were going to be uh, DLC characters. So my guess is that whatever conversation that they had with Microsoft at the time that that deal was made, Mm -hmm. they also negotiated to get Minecraft Steve in the game as well. That is a Microsoft. Makes sense because that is a big franchise to get into the game. Also, yes. I mean, the thing that, yeah, so the internet kind of was split about it. It seemed like your Smash faithfuls were upset that it wasn't, you know, whatever the hell they were. A classic character or something. Yeah. But then a lot of people were actually really excited about it because, yes, as you mentioned, Minecraft is incredibly huge. And so there's a lot of people who are probably very happy to see Minecraft representation in Super Smash Brothers. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it seemed like he played pretty cool. He actually has like moves where he can take chunks out of the levels themselves and attack people with it. Uh, Kirby looks adorable uh, as a little Minecraft square after he swallows him. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, like the the idea of having remixed Minecraft music seems cool. Uh, so yeah, I mean it's cool for those people out there that like Minecraft and Super Smash Brothers because I'm sure there are millions of them. So. I did see that some players were complaining about Steve being broken as he could knock players off and then build walls to prevent people from coming back onto the, the playing field. Hey, if it's in the game, it's not cheap. That's what they say, right? Well, no, EA says if it's in the game, it's in the game. It's in the game, it's in the game, it's true. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I'm indifferent to this. I have Ultimate, but I barely have played it since, since Banjo and Kazooie came out, actually. That's the last time I played it. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Just didn't keep me going. Probably because I'm not in a situation where I'm playing multiplayer with a lot of people all the time, which I'm sure if I was. Is that a hint, hint at me to get it to play with you? In COVID times right now, it's not really. You don't want to play that thing online. The latency is really bad. Um, so yeah, if I was in a situation where I was like having people over, which is not something you could have right now, mm-hmm. then potentially this game would have had longer legs, but. Just didn't work out for me, but uh, but yeah, it's cool that they're doing this. Yeah, I mean, I saw 
like you said, both love and hate for this. And I think because it is a big franchise, because you will get people who like Minecraft and see that it's a new player come back to the game, which is what initially essentially they want. Right. People to come back to play the new characters, which is why you have the mixture of Banjo-Kazooie for the old players and Minecraft for the new players. Yep. yep. So smart move on Nintendo. Interesting to see where they will go for Fighter Pass 3. Should that yeah. show up? Who knows? Who knows who's left? Who isn't already in the game? <laughs> Just we'll keep see. adding to that ultimate roster to hit 100. Oh, jeez, that's too many. Well, it started out with 80. Already too many. <laughs> anyway. Anyways, um, thoughts. We played video games. We did. Uh, I will say real quickly here that Fall Guys Season yes. 1 ends today. And so I have a note here to remind everyone out there and to remind myself and you yes. to quickly level up your character if you have not to get those 40 rankings um, because... Those will be reset as of midnight tonight, or maybe 9 p.m. tonight. I don't know how other servers go. In order to usher in season two, which begins tomorrow, October 8th. Yep. Uh, assuming people have not fallen off of that train and gone to Among Us. <laughs> but Fall Guys season both. two. You can do both. Why not? You can do both. I do both. But yeah, uh, Fall Guys season two premieres tomorrow. And I'll probably be playing that over the weekend, probably stream some of the season two stuff. And we will, I will report on that next week. All righty. But you played a game that you want me to play. Oh, have I? I have been waiting to talk to anybody really about this thing, like uh, about this thing since I first started it on Friday night. Hmm. Well, I have a phone which you can talk to me about. Yeah, I guess I, I know, but it's it's <laughs> fun when I have you know, yes. But we also have a podcast where we can talk about. to this about <laughs> exactly. That's why we have this podcast. Um, so I've been playing a little game. Well, little is not accurate. Called Genshin Impact. It's blowing up on the internet right now. And here's the basics of what you need to know. One, it's free to play. That's the most important thing about this game. And I say that. Because when I actually start explaining what this thing is, you're going to be like, wait, this is free to play? Two, it's from a, uh, a, a Chinese studio that's previous work has only involved phone games, essentially. Specifically phone gotcha games. And obviously, this is a gotcha game, just like those games. Except it's on PlayStation 4, phones, and PC. Okay, I think I've seen the ads for the phone version of this. Seen ads for the phone version of this. Which is why so, it sounds familiar. Three. It looks like Breath of the Wild. Those are the three core things you need to know about this game going in. What it actually is, though, even though it looks like Breath of the Wild and has a lot of Breath of the Wild kind of Zelda accoutrement to it, it has a similar graphic style where everything's kind of cell shaded and watercolor. It's an open world game, so you are going around the world exploring, um, getting items, cooking, mining, crafting items, etc. Um, opening towers to you know activate new areas of the open world. You have a stamina meter just like in Breath of the Wild, so you're climbing things, you're running, you're like 
it's it's similar in beat by beat gameplay in that way to something like Breath of the Wild. But then on top of that, there's a billion other layers. This is an action RPG at its heart. This is okay. like imagine like a Zelda game, but with actual level progression, uh, a loot system where you can feed weapons to weapons to enhance them. Um, multiple currencies and multiple d- different levels of experience le- like leveling. So like your char- individual characters level up, but then there's also an adventure level that levels up as you beat like, like complete quests and stuff in the overworld. There's a whole overarching story that's actually like seems to have done like a lot of work done to it about the world that you're kind of in. You end up there from supposedly the real world and you have to learn about exactly what's happening to you in there. It's very anime, so that may turn some people off or may interest some other people. Um, and yeah, it's like, and its combat is based on an elemental system. So there's like hack and slash kind of basic combos for the basic moves. But then on top of that, every character that you play as, you kind of play as a squad of four. Um, has an elemental affinity and that affects their special attacks. So you have to strategize your team to include multiple different uh, elements in case you're say in a dungeon and you need the ice power to open a specific door, for instance, or to damage the shield on a specific enemy. So you kind of get where I'm going, like what I'm saying is like, it's kind of a combination of all sorts of different existing games but the thing that makes this special is that, as I mentioned up top, this is free to play. Right. So how are they making money? Microtransactions? And that's where the gotcha comes in. So here's the thing. This game is doing all the things that the really like rough gotcha games are doing. It's just doing it on such a different scale that it doesn't feel the same. So you do, in order to get some of the locked characters and some of the better weapons in the game, you do have to do these random gotcha pulls. You do so by transferring your in-game currency to another in-game currency to uh, make these random pulls. They do tell you the odds, though. They have a 10-pull system where as long as you uh, pay 10 of the currency, you're guaranteed at least one four-star above item or character. So, because that is a requirement in China uh, to show your odds before you do a pull like that in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, so, unlike EA, right? Unlike our system here. Uh, so, yeah, there is an ex- like they do try to tell you more or less that you're going to at least get one nice thing if you do at least ten pulls. But individual pulls completely random. You will definitely get duplicate items. You will definitely get duplicate characters as you go on. You're not guaranteed to get a fresh thing every time. But just like a lot of these gotcha games, you are able to transfer duplicate things into a other currency or some other material that you can use to craft other items. So they're not completely useless to you, even if you get the same character over and over again. Um, You can also, of course, pay real money to get these currencies, which is what they ultimately want you to do and which is how this is a sustainable game. But that being, so yes, 
so that's kind of the buyer beware about this thing is that know that even though it's a free to play game, it will have hooks that will want you, that you will try to entice you to pay money for this thing. But on the flip side of that, there's so much content. It's never blocking you out of stuff to do before you pay. It's not like you're going to hit a giant paywall. There's a lot of stuff here to do and you can just kind of play the game without ever paying actual money to it. I haven't spent a cent on it. I'm hoping that I don't have to because I'm hoping that enough of the grinding on the regular like beat by beat gameplay I will, will get me enough stuff that I won't have to do that. But yeah, it's just a, it's a charming world. Yeah. It's it's cool. Like like the design of it is neat. Siri apparently wants to talk about it too. Um, it's just it's 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 combat is like pretty like boilerplate like action RPG combat. But the elemental stuff works together in tandem enough so that it's, it's a, it, it leads to interesting situations. For example, if an enemy is standing in water, it then gains the like wet, like it becomes wet, and then wet enemies are more susceptible to, say, electric attacks and stuff like that. So there's a layer of strategy there that's not in even like in Zelda Breath of the Wild. There's like more to it, to the combat than that. Um, and there's plans going forward to expand on the uh, open world as well. So it's just going to get bigger and bigger. More quests are going to be available as it goes on. Just like phone gotcha games, there'll be specific events every week to get to to make it more likely to get specific characters or weapons, which will be good if you're looking for a very specific character. There's already tier lists on websites all over the place telling you which characters are the good ones and which characters are the bad ones. Each character also has its own like uh, weapon affinity too. Like certain characters are bow and arrow characters, certain characters use swords, certain characters use spears. So like there's that kind of level to it as well. This game, there's so much to it. There's like so much going on in this thing, but it's an open world game. Like, and all of these things are kind of like the the window dressing on top of what's already a really good open world game to start with and it's free so yeah it's like if you're willing to like ignore a lot of the gotcha stuff there's still even after that a lot to do here for paying zero dollars um from what i understand the last thing i'll say about it is from what i understand pc version is the best one to play right now the playstation version apparently hitches even on pros uh, especially when a lot of weapon or wall of enemies appear, and the phone version you cannot use uh, Bluetooth controllers with yet at this point. Um, you can only use the uh, touchscreen controls, which aren't, as you imagine, that great. Um, but the PC and the phone version have crossplay. PlayStation does not yet, so you Sorry. will not I... you will not get any um, progress from if you go from PC to PlayStation or vice versa. Um, but I'm playing on the PC version right now. It's really, it just continues surprising me with how much depth is in this thing. And it's really hard to explain unless you actually play it. But I do recommend, since it is something that is free, to, to give it a download and try it out. Yeah, I have been seeing a lot of this on the ads for mobile games. Yeah. And I'm like, this seems way too in depth and something that will crunch my battery if I play it on my phone. I don't recommend you play it on your phone. Um, so knowing that it's available on the PS4 is yeah. nice. 
I don't like that cross place. I can't play with you. Yeah, that's that sucks because yes, I didn't mention it is co-op. So it's technically a single player game um, is designed clearly to be a single player experience, but you can have friends join up to three other friends join you in a in a session um, for overworld stuff. Your friends will not gather any sort of benefits. Only the host will. But in dungeons, they will actually gather like items that they find and stuff like that and experience. So there is that. So yeah, there's an incentive to play some of the co-op stuff, uh, but that doesn't even unlock until you hit adventure level 16. So you'll be like 10 hours in before you can even play co-op with other people. That's right. the kind of game this is. It's a slow burn. There's a lot to get through. Okay. But yeah. I may check this out on the PS4. Yeah. Um, while I wait for Melody of Memory to come out in December, November. <laughs> I think you should check it out because I feel like I feel like it's something that's maybe hard to explain really well because of how mm-hmm. much is going on, just the sheer level of different mechanics that are in this game. This is like systems upon systems upon systems of the game. Like there's so many systems going on in this thing. Right, so, but I'm used to playing with all those kind of systems yeah. though. That's that's the why I'm thinking that you actually like this because it's a good combination of the open world stuff that I lo- know you love to 100% and the phone games that I know you love to hate. Yes. <laughs> or hate to love, I guess, is probably yes. more accurate. It's a good combination of those two worlds, I think. So I really want to get your take on it. Also, I think that even though what I've, all, everything that I just said sounds complicated, the game does a surprisingly good job of tutorializing everything. Okay. Like, It'll do a good job of like, even something as small as you'll hit an enemy with a certain um, attack, a little tooltip will show up that after you press a button, it'll tell you, hey, just letting you know that this is the effect that this element has when it hits this other element, just in case you didn't know. And like, I hit that every single time because I'm like, yes, I do want to please tutorialize more things for me. Tell me how these systems work because there's so many of them. And I think so far it's been do- it's doing an excellent job, probably better job than it has to, explaining all this really arcane stuff. So it's, it's really doing- good at getting you involved. Yeah, no, that's the thing. You keep up on everything. It's it's crazy. It's like I, I'm, you know, of course, coming off of getting like really into Destiny recently, and this thing is doing such a better job than Destiny is at a lot of the stuff that Destiny fails at. It's has a better inventory system. It has a better quest system. And it has, it appears to have a better constant drip of new things to do than Destiny has. Destiny 2 is in its like fourth, almost its fourth year of existence. It's like there's no, ex- there's no excuse anymore. So unless they really pull, up, pull something out of their hat with Beyond Light, they're getting outdone by a, another free-to-play game, like 100%. And so it's, it's just, it's fascinating to compare and contrast this to other free-to-play things because I feel like this has raised the bar. Like, this is probably going to be on my top five of the year. That's how much okay. I'm enjoying You are really talking about this game, so I guess I have to play it. You really, just really to have see to if you, all this hype you're throwing at it is exactly what you say it is. I, I need you to play Cause this. Because like I said, I like last week I hyped up Hades for you to play. Yes. Instead, you went for this free-to-play game. I still really want to play Hades. I don't know if I'm going to get to that because of how much of this I'm playing. Right. <laughs> so I don't know. But yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely really got its hooks in me. The question is, of course, just like Destiny, 
for how long? Because I don't know when I'm going to hit that wall, whether it's because of difficulty, whether it's because of wanting to do the gotcha stuff, or whether it's because I run out of content. I don't know when that's going to happen. But as it stands right now, day, you know, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, day six of playing this thing. So far, I haven't run out of things to do. It's still grabbed my attention. Um, I pulled a couple of characters, which is pretty cool. Um, I'm finding kind of what my favorite kind of like, like build is. So yeah, like I'm still kind of in the nitty gritty and I'm not even out of the first region yet. There's a whole nother region still that I have yet to play. And I've already put in like over 10 hours, maybe even more than that at this point. So you've already played this five, six, five, six days in a row then? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I think you should try it. Uh, report back. I'd really, I'm really curious to like to see what you think about this thing because I'm right. having a really fun time with it, which is right. something I did not expect for something that's so not in my wheelhouse. Just warning, you're probably going to play it on the PS4, so we won't do crossplay. Right? Yeah. No. No, I realize that, and honestly, that's fine because, like I said, it's going to take you a while to get up to the point where you could even do co-op, anyways. So. Okay. All right, I will definitely check that out. Um, yeah. Interspersed between playing Hades, like I said last yes. week. You're playing more um, of that. So yeah, so I continue to play more Hades. And after we got off and I was done talking about it, saying how I've yet to hit the end. Well, I did the one thing that I hate to do, which is reset your stat points. Oh, yeah. And then once I did that, I was like, oh, this makes it a whole lot easier. And like my third run into it, I, I reached the top. <laughs> Guy escaped hell. Hey, what do you hey. know? Only no, just nine more times. Yes, only for just to kick me back in. But it did unlock a lot of new stuff that one made me realize that hey, I can do this. Yeah. And two, that it did the thing where it said, Hey, now here's all the difficulty options that you can add to it to increase the run. Yeah. Yeah. Like, ah the never ending carrot. <laughs> But also there's a bunch of stuff that I haven't unlocked yet mm-hmm. and need to get to. So that just adds to it. And I'm having a lot of fun with it. And I will continue to play Hades. And I think you should too. No, I, I really want to. I'll get to it. I promise. It's just, yeah, like this Genshin Impact has taken over my life right now. <laughs> right. So it's kind of hard to have time for anything else. Right. Well, that's why I love it on the Switch because I can play it while the championship sports games are happening. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it'll be a good co- uh, companion. While Dodger baseball is on and slow, I can play Hades. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah, video games are good right now, man. Like, there's just bangers out there. Like, f- until I started playing this thing, I was wondering, is like, am I just like, why have th- things just bouncing right off of me? Like, every big game that I played in the last this in 2020 just has not really hit for me. Mm-hmm. And this is the first one where I'm like, no, this, this is something. This has got something. And so I'm like, I guess I'm kind of excited that video games are good again. Yeah, that's a good thing. Take it's that, good last good games. part two. Yep. <laughs> All right. Uh, anything else? No, that's, that's been it for video games. And good Sudoku, of course, because that's the forever game probably on my phone. Right. And I've been playing Disney Arena weekly or daily, constantly. Daily, daily. Yep. Um, but with that, I think that does it for us here at the Mediable Podcast. I think so. Exactly on the dot, hour and a half show. Ooh. Look at us go. All right. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode. 
we catch you next week with another one. We are in video form on YouTube. Just go to youtube.com and search Media Vote Podcast. Find our page, like, subscribe, comment, all the things that you love to do. If you want to hear us on audio form, well, you can do that now in more places than ever. Search Media Boat Podcast on any of your podcatchers, except for Spotify. We're working on that. Bear with us. Um, but yes, uh, any of those services, we should be up and running our back catalog of episodes as well. So tune in and download, leave reviews. We love to see stars uh, and check us out. If you want to see us on social media, we're also on there. Twitter, our handle is at MediaBoatCast. Facebook, we're somewhere in there. Just search Media Boat Podcast within that service. We are on the internet with text on MediaBoatPodcast.com. We are on Twitch.tv with the occasional PGA 2K21 gameplay sesh, playing some golf for you on twitch.tv slash mediaboat. And then on YouTube, we occasionally play some video games. Maybe I'll stream some Genshin Impact. I don't know. That might be. I mean, it already kind of makes my computer run a little warm. I don't know if I want to stream on top of that. But hey, so did Destiny. So maybe I'll, maybe I'll stream some Genshin Impact. Um, but that will probably be it until next week. So thank you for joining us. Tune in next week for more. We'll have thoughts about Brothers Osborne. We'll have thoughts about Ted Lasso's season finale. We'll have thoughts, hopefully Mike's thoughts about Genshin Impact. All of that and more when we come back next week. Uh, yeah, so far we are on uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podbean app, uh, Amazon Music, and TuneIn plus Alexa on Amazon Echo. Wow, all of that and more. Yep, and then working on Spotify, hopefully this week, or probably by the end of this week, hopefully. Just got to make sure that our large stuff's under 200 megabytes because Spotify's yeah. a bitch about it. Yeah. Uh, but Spotify, you did not hear that from us. <laughs> yes, exactly. Shush. Shush. All right, we'll be back next week with lots more thoughts already yes. pre-planned and even more news. All okay, right. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.